great morning. You're listening to episode 49 of the Book Morning Podcast. And today, I'm reviewing David Brock's best-selling book, Your Brain at Work. Strategies to overcome distractions, regaining focus, and working smarter all day long. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Chris Cardona, and welcome to the Book Morning Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks a lot for coming. One of my favorite quotes of life by Warren Buffett is the best investment you can make is an investment in yourself. The more you learn, the more you'll earn. And that is exactly the goal I have for this podcast, to continue expanding my life, learning from the best mentors and examples of success in the world, both living and not. Through their stories and books, to achieve the successful life we ourselves and our families deserve. The Book Morning Podcast is produced daily for your enjoyment, where I bring you my takeaways, gold nuggets, and summaries from some of the best books I read and study every day. Show notes can be found at www.bookmorning.com. Are you all ready? Well, let's get the show started. Our careers today have become more demanding more than ever before. We have access to information in real time. In my line of work, leading a global brand presence, it's important for me to be able to take in data from the world, both positive and negative, and make intelligent marketing decisions to move us towards our goals. In order to not only survive, but thrive and succeed in today's overwhelming work life, and still feel the energy and accomplishment to spend our time with our families or our other passions, we need to understand how to optimize the way we use our brain. David Rock is amazing because he's able to take such a complex concept such as how our brain works and make it accessible for us to understand. The book is told in Acts like a play where he tells a story of a couple living their life with the wrong point of view and then tells us with the understanding of how the brain works, they are able to affect their lives positively. We follow the day-to-day life of Emily and Paul, a married couple with two teenage kids. We see how they react to the normal stresses and occurrences in life. Emily is promoted as an exec of an event planning company and deals with a variety of stresses that come with her new promotion. That adds to her normal day-to-day stresses in an information-driven world. We see her jumping in on her emails, meetings, being thrown into unfamiliar situations, and working with her team members. Paul, on the other hand, is a software consultant who tries to handle everything, clients, suppliers, budgets, and pitches. We see his pain as he tries to weave his way in the world and keep his business running. We learn in the book that even with all the advances in technology, our brains remain the greatest business asset to any team or workplace. But the secret to efficient and productive performance is to first understand how we think and improve at directing the way we think instead of just letting our default survival-driven brain control our lives. If we truly understand how our brain works in detail, then we will be enabled to enhance our efficiency and performance at work and at home. David talks about being a director of our stage, which is our brain's case. The stages are prefrontal cortex. The things we store in our PFC are actors who we need to direct so that they don't default to their pre-evolved settings to our detriment. We all know the concept of a director in a theater. So keeping with the theater theme in the book, 
The director is our ability to take a step back and observe our own mental functions. It helps us develop the ability to alter our mental states and reactions to achieve the best performance that we can. So let's dive into my key takeaways. David tells us about problems and decisions, staying cool under pressure, collaborating with others, and facilitating change. So let's talk about problems and decisions first. How do we as leaders solve problems and make decisions more effectively? We need to recognize that our brain have two memories, the working memory and we have our long-term memory. The working memory or our stage is our prefrontal cortex. It's responsible for understanding, deciding, recalling long-term memory and memorizing as well as inhibiting behaviors. We normally spend our days focusing our energies on our working memory because we think that it's our rational brain that we need to use the most. This tends to overload our prefrontal cortex because it's wired to hold only a few pieces of information at a time. Our stage or our PFC holds our intentions, like what we need to do, remembering to buy milk, or remember things in life. These are the actors, as David calls them. The key is to learn to ask them to wait backstage, which are our different parts of our brain until we're ready for their parts. The PFC, or working memory, uses a large portion of our energy. It's very small, but it's very fuzzy and serial or process-driven. It likes to work in steps, and it's not very creative. Dr. Roar Beimeister says, We have a limited bucket of resources for activities like decision-making and impulse control. And when we use these up, we don't have as much for the next activity. David talks about three levels of thinking or functioning. Level one are like deleting emails, level two, scheduling a meeting, and level three are writing a pitch, more complicated. Most of us, including myself, focus on level one, deleting emails and going through them, and the next thing we know that a big chunk of our day is gone, and then we start working on other things. And then we realized a level three activity like reviewing contract, or writing a marketing or business plan, or preparing for a big presentation comes. We need to prioritize and manage what to do first and focus on the most important things because we are now aware that we have a limited resource on our PFC or stage, and this will drain us. As we've read in previous books, uh, multitasking is a myth. We try to juggle multiple things at once and thinking that it's the most productive way of doing things but our brain can only focus on one thing at a time when we think we're multitasking our brain is actually using hardwired connections to function like when we drive we have multiple things happening at the same time shifting braking turning these are activities our brain has become hardwired to doing which does not require our prefrontal cortex to do so the more things we can have hardwired into our brains the more efficient we can become. A study done by Libet in 1983 says that our brains have 0.3 seconds to intervene. So this tells us that we have 0.2 seconds to decide what to do with our brain signal if we're going to do something or not, or what David calls this, our veto power. 
And the work in mindfulness focuses on harnessing the power of that 0.2 seconds to be fully aware of ourselves and our thoughts. In order to practice our brain, like when we work out, to focus on that 0.2 seconds more often than not. David talks about the zone of peak performance. He talks about performance and arousal. He reminds us that we need some level of stress to get out of bed in the morning. Research shows that too much and continual stress physically harms our body because it releases cortisol and adrenaline. This was also talked about in the book by Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last, when he talks about these stress-related chemicals released by the brain. The peak zone is about getting interested and not getting too much arousal, but allows us to just have the right flow that is unique to each and every one of us. Knowing this is important because our stage or prefrontal cortex is very, very loud and noisy, almost like a Coachella music festival. When we stress, it gets even noisier because we simply have too many actors on stage at one time. So when we are trying to use our brain at a high level, trying to solve a complex problem, for example, it's like a cell phone ringing in our pockets and we can't hear it because the rest of the environment is so loud. So quieting down our PFC or directing actors to leave the stage will allow us to dampen the noise and hear our insights at work to solve complex problems. Most problems are not solved rationally, far from what we think. In the lab, 60% of problems are solved in a way that people can't explain. You know, have you ever been running or doing something and a solution to a problem you weren't even thinking about just pops in your brain? That is insight. This usually happens when we are relaxed and our PFC is not overloaded. And we can actually hear our cell phones in our brains ringing to tell us the solutions to our problems. The next thing that David talks about is staying cool under pressure. As leaders and entrepreneurs, it's ultra important for us that we stay cool under pressure. Simply because whenever we respond to, you know, to things emotionally, studies have shown that it reduces our cognitive abilities. Our brain is more than just a logic processing machine. Our lives are made up of moments that our brain is trying to figure out and switching between recognizing danger or thinking it's a helpful situation and sending us the signals through our emotions. This is where the 0.2 seconds of breaking is most needed to stop and think about it instead of relying only emotionally, which triggers our threat and reward system to default to threats as if we are being attacked by a lion and pushes us to flee. We need to remember that bad threat responses are stronger than good because our brain is triggered to go into survival mode. David talks about our limbic system of our brain, which is the system of our brain responsible for long-term memory. Our threat and reward system in our brain, our away and toward threat responses, is driven by five major social domains, which our brains treat as primary rewards or threats. This is represented by the SCARF model. SCARF, S-C-A-R-F. The first is S for status, C for certainty, A for autonomy, R for relatedness, and F for fairness. Collaborating with others is just the other important lesson David discusses. We all have to collaborate with others to succeed in our modern economy, whether it's with our coworkers, 
are the leaders or the team we lead and our employees. This builds on the SCARF model. This is about how we can manage our threat response away or towards. Every day that we exist, we allocate ourselves a status. This is in relation with our peers and surroundings. When our status is threatened, our limbic system defaults to react to this negatively and have an away feeling. When we're picked on, even when we just think our status is threatened, we start to feel the, our value less and less. With certainty, we tend to predict the worst. If we're asked into an office for a meeting, for example, or our client texts us and says, we need to talk. Our default response to this is away because our certainty is threatened. Our brain is wired to predict and have a say in our future. This is because of autonomy. So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport's book talks about this. When we feel good, when we are given a choice in a situation, we are more likely to have a reward emotion or a toward response. Relatedness is another important social domain. As social animals, we are always trying to figure out who is in our in-group and who is not. When we connect with people that we like or that can trust us, we get a decrease in cortisol or the stress hormone and we get a boost of dopamine, the feel-good hormone. This enables us to experience a positive response and more toward emotions. We all like to feel that we are in a fair situation. When we perceive that we are being treated unfairly, like in our performance evaluation, for example, we experience a strong away emotion. Our brains default to look for situations where we are being treated unfairly. To counter this response, we need to provide our brains with context to bring back our cognitive ability. A quote from David explains all of this together. Think about what it feels when you interact with someone who makes you notice what's good about yourself, raising your status, who is clear with his expectations of you, increasing certainty, who lets you make decisions, increasing autonomy, who connects with you on a human level, increasing relatedness, and who treats you fairly. You feel calmer, happier, more confident, more connected, and smarter. You are able to process richer streams of information about the world, which feels like the world has gotten bigger. Because this experience feels so good, you want to spend time with this person and help them any way you can. The final takeaway is facilitating change. This is where David talks to us about our focus. He reminds us to be very careful on what we focus on. If we focus on the negative things, this hardwires our brain to focus on the negative things in life. Our attention and focus changes our brain's wiring because of neuroplasticity. When we focus our attention on something, our brain will retain the connection and circuits that is associated with that in which we are focusing most on. So the key is focusing on the positive things and what changes we are trying to create. This will wire our brains to find those positive things. Our brain is an amazing organ in our body that it can change its shape depending on how we are wiring it or how it's being used. That was a fascinating book on how our brains work. I highly recommend you pick up a copy. In learning the books reviewed in this podcast, we often feel that some concepts are harder to apply than others in our lives. This is because we need to understand how our brain truly works. 
now we're no neuroscientists, but David has given us some key information together with a few other books in this podcast series to help us understand how we can work better to achieve our goals in life with the help of our brain. Allow me to leave you with this. It's very common for us today that if we are not performing at our best, we simply have to work harder. But we need to understand that our brain requires more fuel and rewards to function optimally. This is simply because our brains get tired like any other muscle in our body and is very prone to distractions. It gets its reward from status, certainty, and control. We need to remember that our prefrontal cortex of our brains have a limited capacity to deal with distractions and process the rest of our brain power because it can only work on one thing at a time. So it then defaults to us getting stressed to try to deal with things and thinks we're in danger of being attacked by a lion, even if it's just a small problem. So in order for us to perform optimally and eliminate day-to-day distractions, we need to find out what it takes to have more choices and autonomy in our lives and most important of all, to train our brain to be able to stop and reflect, change the label of situations so that our fight or flight responses don't default to flight, which causes our stress levels to jump up. So thank you so much for your time today. I highly encourage you to please connect with me. Please do share, subscribe, leave a rating and review. I'd very much appreciate your honest feedback, which helps me continually provide impactful content that I hope you will find valuable. And remember, a book a day keeps failures at bay. Until next time, thank you and have a success-filled day.